Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abiding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with the children's children. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you whose servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Trinity again. Peace be with you. It's great to see you, especially uh, after I missed uh, last Sunday. I took last Sunday off, which was uh, nice. It was actually the first Sunday I've taken off since our meeting in the living room uh, phase about 18 months ago. And actually, when I took that Sunday off, I think a few of you were there. Uh, We still met in my living room, but we had a group of individuals from a local denomination show up and hand out flyers about some event that was in Fulton. Uh, And that's when I knew I could never take a Sunday off, at least not for the next little bit. Um, But everything went fine uh, last week, so now I can miss as much time as I want. Uh, As I was taking some time off the last week, I came up with this sort of uh, personal theme for the summer, which is that I want to enjoy God and enjoy my life as much as possible. Uh, So that's my summer theme. It might seem kind of odd to, uh, to have to work at enjoying your life, like happiness is just uh, an emotion, right? Um, But I'm a pretty serious guy. I've always been a serious guy. Uh, When I was in high school, I wore dress pants every day to school. Uh, College was a little crazy. I got up at 5 a.m. every day to study. Uh, Even the librarians were like, you know, you could do more than be here when we open. Uh, My favorite food is protein bar. Super efficient. I think most of you guys know my love for protein bars. and so I'm not, I'm not a naturally, like, just happy, bubbly, joyful person. It's something I actually have to, to work out. My default mode is, is very serious, very, very efficient. Even my hobbies, I have spreadsheets for them. So this summer, I'm trying to, to relax a little bit, trying to enjoy my life a little bit more. I've tried staying up past 9 p.m., uh, which is not all it's cracked up to be, in my opinion. Um, But a couple of things I've noticed is that summer can be a difficult time for spiritual growth and for church life, but it can be a really good time for joy and happiness and peace. Uh, It's difficult for our spiritual lives, I think, because we get out of our regular rhythms and our routines. It's it's maybe a little bit easier to stay up late at night and so we don't get up quite as early if if you're doing a morning quiet time of, of scripture and prayer. 
Uh, it can be hard to be at, at church every Sunday when you're traveling and different things. It's just hard to stay in your, your regular routine of spiritual life. And so often, even in my own life, even though I'm here every Sunday, I can feel myself sort of unraveling spiritually in the summer and thinking that I'll just kind of gather it back up again in the fall. Uh, but at the same time, it's a really good season for for joy and, and happiness. We get longer days. We get uh, to be outside a lot more than we do, certainly in the winter. We tend to spend more time with our friends. We tend to see out-of-town family. We tend to eat better. We've been out on the grill, uh, putting chicken and, and veggies on almost every night, eating out on our back deck. Uh, things that we don't normally get to do throughout the year, we get to do and we can enjoy them so much more than we would otherwise. And so that's why my, my sort of personal theme and one of the things we'll look at in, in this series is how do, we, how do we connect these two things? How do we connect the, the challenges of spiritual life in the summer with the, the joys and blessings that, that do come during the summer? How do we connect our enjoyment of God with our enjoyment of our lives? And so summer can be a great time to make this connection, to, to form this sort of seamless uh, enjoyment of both God and our, our own lives, God and his creation, the way he's, he's made us, the way he's made our world. And so if you're asking, well, are we talking about enjoying God or enjoying our lives? One of my goals in this series is to, to make that connection. Uh, a long, long time ago, the, the Westminster uh, Confession uh, or Westminster Catechism, it began with this, the, the very first sentence, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And there's a, a contemporary author that, that tweaked it a little bit, and he says the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And that's a, that's a pretty wild thought to me, that, that the main thing that we should be doing in life, and this is coming from theologians who are probably even more serious than me, the main thing we should be doing in our lives, the main way that we bring glory to God is actually by enjoying him enjoying who God is as he is, enjoying our lives in him. We often think of, of obeying God, following God, trusting God, knowing God, loving God, and all of those are, are essential responses to who God is. But how often do we think simply of, of enjoying him, of, of feeling happiness in his presence when we turn to him in, in prayer, actually experiencing joy and peace in that moment? Sometimes I think that's, that's like a little too fluffy or maybe just like a, a modern self-help thing that we want everything to be positive and happy all the time. But I don't think that's what it is. I think it's actually one of the sure promises of Scripture that we can enter into a relationship with God that is, that is so satisfying, that is so deep, that it brings a constant sense of joy, happiness, peace, contentment, satisfaction, even in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in our lives. So a joy that's, that's deeper than our circumstances, a joy that's, that's not only untouched by our circumstances, but no matter what the circumstances, however good or bad, they actually increase our joy in the Lord. And so the way I think that we increase our enjoyment of God and what we're going to be looking at throughout this, this 10-week series, the way that we increase our joy in the Lord is by approaching him as he is. By, by knowing who he is, how he's revealed himself to us in his word, and then approaching him rightly in, in prayer and living before him on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. 
So who is God? How do we, how do we know him, how, how he is? And then how do we approach him as he is? And I think if we, if we do that, we'll find an incredible amount of joy and satisfaction in his presence. And so each week after this sort of introductory sermon, we're going to focus on one aspect of God's nature. They're called attributes, things that are, are true of God. And so we'll look at, at God most loving, God most just, God most holy, God most wise, God most faithful, a number of different attributes. And, and next week is actually Trinity Sunday in the, the historical church calendar. So we're going to look at God as Trinity, as three in one. Uh, and so if you're keeping track, that's Trinity Sunday. We'll be looking at God the Trinity and we're Trinity Church, which is triple Trinity. And I don't understand quantum physics, but I think something extraordinary might happen if we do all three of those things at once. And then on the very last week, we're going to look at what does it look like to enjoy God in suffering. Now this week we're looking at Psalm 103, uh, which Brielle just read, David's song of joy in the Lord. So the three things I want to see today are the source of joy, an invitation to joy, and then the experience of joy. So I want to take a moment to pray, pray over our time, and pray for this series. Father, we, we thank you for who you are, for how great you are, that, that we can do a, a series like this that in, in 10 weeks can explore your character and your nature and, and just barely even scratch the surface of how wonderful you are. That we could spend every Sunday of, of every year, year after year, decade after decade, just looking at your attributes and we would still never get to the bottom of them. Father, we thank you for how you have created this world, that you have created seasons, that you have created a, a summer that's, that's just so beautiful, where the, the sun hangs just a little bit longer, where we get, uh, we get to play outside, we get to jump in lakes and pools, we get to, to enjoy life just a little bit more. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us connect these things, that we would find joy in you every time we find joy in this life. And every time we feel pain in this life, that we would also turn back to you as well. And so, Father, through this morning, through this series, through this church, would you cultivate a, a greater enjoyment of you as you are in our midst. And so, Lord, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so first off is the source of joy. And I don't know if you've ever really thought about this. You might just say, okay, the source of joy, that's God. We can move on. But, but if we stop and think about it for a minute, what is, what is the source of joy? Where does it come from? I was, was watching with my kids a, a Netflix show this week, and it was educational, so you can't judge me. But we were watching before I went to work, and it was these little animated robots that were trying to figure out where uh, electricity comes from. And so they found this little digital alarm clock, and they're like, well, that's where the electricity comes from. And then they notice, well, no, the electricity comes from the cord. And so they trace it back to the cord, and they say, well, actually, the cord is plugged into the outlet, so the power comes from the outlet. But then they realize the power actually doesn't come from the outlet. It comes from the wires inside the wall, and so they trace those back all the way out to the power box outside on the street. And then they saw, well, the power actually doesn't come from there. There are actually more wires that run all the way back to the power plant across town. Uh, and then on and on, which is actually when I went to work, so I don't actually know where electricity begins past that point. I know, I'm sorry. It's a mystery. I do think the Trinity's involved, but that's as far as I know. But we can do the same thing with, with joy in, in our own lives. 
Trace it backwards, step after step after step. What, what is the source of the joy that finally reaches us? And so this past week, we were at one of our, our kids' baseball games. Jude had a baseball game that was wrapping up around 8.30. And it was this, this beautiful moment that I think all of us kind of collectively realized. It was one of those gorgeous mid-Missouri sunsets that just go totally orange, pink. There's like blue and like just red, every single color you can imagine in the sunset. It's all happening at once. Right behind the baseball field, there are these tall trees that were just waving in the wind. Uh, as, as the lights are coming on above the field, it feels like uh, you're living in a sandlot movie. The kids are out there running around, playing. They're happy. They don't have a care in the world. Everybody's chatting on the bleachers, getting to know one another. Nobody's got anywhere they need to be. Even the, the old dads on the field are like reliving the glory days. They're right where they want to be, barking commands at these little kids. They're in their world. It was just one of those like perfect moments. And, and we look at that and we can say, where, where does all this come from? And I think if we look at it just, just one little element at a time, we see that it all has the same source. We can see that, that the joy of the, the little children laughing and, and playing together, it, it can point us back to the great love that God has for us, that he calls us sons and daughters, that he wants us to relate to him as his own children. We can look at the sunset and, and recognize that this is just a, a tiny expression of the, the attribute of God's beauty, that God is the source of all beauty. And this gorgeous sunset, this is just a tiny little glimpse that's supposed to remind us of how glorious and how beautiful God really is. That feeling of not having somewhere else to be, of having, of having no schedule, no, no demand on you in that moment, but just being totally free, that can remind us of the freedom that we have in Christ. That, that like the, Jude's game, they don't keep score. There's no scoreboard anymore for us. We have been counted righteous. Our, our sins have been wiped away. We now live in, in total and complete freedom. That desire that we had to, to take pictures of the sunset and to, to make sure everybody around us had noticed it and, and to point out things that were happening on the field, that, that shared collective experience reminds us that we are relational beings made in the image of a relational God three persons in one. That relationship is the essence of life, and every time we see something beautiful, we immediately want to share it. And that's exactly who God is and what he's like. When he creates something, he wants to share it. He wants to share himself. For all eternity, God has existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in a fellowship of pure joy and so he didn't create us, he didn't create the world so that he would experience more joy. That's not possible. He created it so that he could share his joy, that he could invite us into his joy, the joy of the Trinity that he has experienced throughout all time. He creates so that he can give away that joy. Everything leads us back to God, to his character, to his nature. And that's what Psalm 103 is doing. It's, it's reflecting on God. It's reflecting on who he is. In particular, David points out two different things. He points out God's ways and then God's nature. In God's ways, in verse 2, he says, Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And as we read this, you can pause and say, How has he forgiven me? How has he healed me? Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, 
who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. He also points us to God's nature over and over in this psalm. He says God is righteous and just in verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We see that God is love in verse 8. The Lord is abounding in love. Again in verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Again in verse 17, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. We see God is forgiving in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If you start with anything good in this world, anything true, anything beautiful, it all leads back to God and who he is. If you see anything in this world that's, that's wrong, that's broken, that's unjust or corrupt, what that shows us is, is a rebellion against God or a rejection of God. Anything that's good leads us back to who God is. So whenever there's injustice, we recognize it only against the standard of God's perfect justice. When there's abuse and harm, we see that it's a perversion of God's own love. When, when we feel bitterness inside of us, we know it's wrong because God is purely forgiving. Whenever I feel envy, I know it's wrong because God is perfectly content and satisfied in his own being. So anything we experience in this life, we can trace it back and find something that is true and beautiful about God. And so that's what David is doing. He's, he's calling us to do this in everyday life, to reflect on God's ways, reflect on God's nature, to as you experience things in the world, to trace it back to who God is. And so if you're looking for joy, go straight to the source. So we've talked about all these, these circumstances, and the circumstances can point us to God, but we only find joy in these circumstances for so long. They can change it at a moment's notice. And so yes, experience God's greatness in his creation. Experience God's goodness all summer long as, as you vacation, as you're outside, as you're enjoying the life that God's given you. But the point isn't merely to enjoy the circumstances or to enjoy God's gifts, but to see those circumstances, to receive God's gifts, and then let it turn you towards God himself. And the point of enjoying God is not what we get from him, but enjoying God as he is. It's the one thing that can't be taken away from us. Joy is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a demonstration that the Holy Spirit is alive and active within us. As the Spirit's growing in us, then joy will, will bloom on the branches of our lives. In the same way, if we lack joy in our lives, it, it may be that we first lack joy in God. It could be that we need more of God in our lives. We need more of the joy of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Not just a happy personality, but, but a true abiding joy in God. And so if that is lacking, as it often is in my own life, what we need is, is the second thing, which is an invitation to joy. 
Once we know the source of joy, we can be invited into that joy. In Psalm 103, one of the refrains that comes up over and over is this phrase, praise the Lord. And that phrase in in Hebrew, it's hallel, which is the word for praise, and then yah, which is short for Yahweh or, or the Lord or God Most High. And so as you put these together, it forms hallel u yah, which means praise the Lord. So a lot of our scriptures leave this untranslated simply as hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. And it's fascinating what, what David is doing. It's both a command and an invitation. He says at the end, verse 20, praise the Lord, you his angels. I normally don't tell angels what to do. This is kind of incredible if you think about it. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And then look how he finishes. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He ends by, by calling his own soul, his, his innermost being, to, to look up and praise and, and hallelujah, praising the Lord. So there are many benefits of, of enjoying God, and we're going to look at some of these throughout the series, but just a few for this morning. First of all, enjoying God enables us to overcome temptation. Enjoying God when, when we're in his presence, when we, when we feel the, the joy of the Lord, the, the appeal of, of temptation, the appeal of sin, it slowly fades away. So our, our fears, our, our doubts, our, our desire for other people's approval, those things can begin to fade away if we, if we understand who God is and find joy in his presence. Second, enjoying God sustains us in suffering. Again, you might say that all this sounds great if you're sitting in the suburbs on a, you know, the bleachers of a baseball diamond. But what about when, when life really hits, when, when suffering comes in with force, when, when you suffer loss, when you suffer abuse, when you suffer grief, what then? And one of my, my biggest goals for this series is that we would see that enjoying God that, that it enables us to, to get through suffering, and not just to get through it, but to, to take our suffering to the Lord. To in those moments of, of pain and loss and grief and hurt, to turn in those moments, just as we would as, as we're experiencing joy, to turn in those moments and try to enjoy God by coming before him in his presence. I would suggest that it's actually in those moments of suffering when we turn to the Lord that we really enjoy God himself, that we learn to how to enjoy him. Because it's easier to enjoy him in, in the good times, the good circumstances, but if we can learn to turn to him in, in every moment of pain and to hand that pain to him and to find him as greater than anything in this world, and that's when you know you're, you're making progress and enjoying God. I think too often in our world we, we expect joy and peace. I think this is more true in America probably than a lot of places, but our default mode is expecting joy and peace and then being totally shocked when something bad happens. I would suggest that most of the world and most people throughout time, and probably a better approach is, is to expect something to be hard, expect suffering, expect grief, and then when joy and peace comes your way, be, be delighted in it and turn to the Lord in gratitude. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And all the trouble we feel, all the, 
the trials, all the temptations. They're opportunities for us to turn back to the Lord again and again and again. And then the third benefit of enjoying God I'll mention is that enjoying God empowers our sacrifice. If, if we're only obeying God and, and trying to do what God tells us to do and our hearts aren't really engaged in it, then, then service and sacrifice, it'll always feel, it'll feel like service. It'll feel like sacrifice. It'll feel like being at work. But if we enjoy God and we understand that by serving others, we're actually serving Him, then we can find joy and peace and contentment, even in service, even in sacrifice. And each of these things, if we, if we turn them around, they can become like diagnostics. And so if we're frequently giving in to temptation, or if our suffering is moving us away from God instead of toward Him, or if, if serving feels like a, a huge burden, or if you feel like not serving at all, it could be an invitation from the Lord to turn back to Him and to enjoy Him more deeply than you have been. There's always more of God available to us at any given moment than I think we realize. And so God doesn't indict us, he invites us. He says, come to the source, come back to where joy truly exists. And again, the point of God, of enjoying God is not what we get from it, it's not getting less sin and more strength and a better life, it's getting more of God himself. And so that's the invitation to joy, it's always available. And then lastly, the experience of joy. How do we cultivate an, an ongoing enjoyment of God? How, how do we organize our lives or, or set up practices in our lives so that we can increase in the joy of the Lord? How do we connect our, our Sunday worship experience to our, our Monday morning work experience? How do we connect maybe our, our 6 a.m. Bible reading time with our 10 a.m. board meeting or, or crying child or whatever it is that feels so hard to find that peace in the Lord? How do we do those things? One of my favorite verses, Psalm, it's in Psalm 34. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think we can draw out two sorts of practices from tasting and seeing. I think tasting can remind us that we, you know, we eat several times a day, probably three times a day. You set aside time, you, you make plans, you you either cook something or make sure you have money in your budget to buy something and you prepare a meal and you eat it. And if you don't eat it, you remember quickly that you didn't eat because your resources are running low and so you eat. In the same way, I think David's calling us to taste that the Lord is good on, on a regular basis, one, two, three times a day. Set aside some time, make, make plans to put yourself in the presence of God like you would with any meal if you know if you, know you need these, these physical nutrients to recognize the spiritual nutrients that we need and to taste several times a day that the Lord is good in prayer, in his word, in reflection. I want to encourage you this, this summer, even if it's just the next 10 weeks, what's a book of the Bible you might read more deeply, something that you've been curious about, something that you've been wanting to go deeper in. Maybe it's the, the character and the attributes of God. We put a couple new books at the book table if you're interested in picking up one of those. Sort of a guide to, to help you learn more about who God is this summer. And so taste that the Lord is good, but also see that he's good. So we taste a few times a day, and that takes some planning and organizing, but we see all day long. Our eyes are always open. We can always turn and see that the Lord is good. 
And so I take this to mean that David's calling us to, to keep our eyes open to what God is doing in the world, keep our eyes open to, to what he's doing in our own lives. Be attentive to his spirit. Be attentive to his love. Every moment when you, when you get a little glimpse of joy in this life, how do you turn and trace it back to the source? Every time you see a beautiful sunset to remember the beauty of the Lord. Every time you see a kid smile to remember that you are a beloved child of God. Every time you see injustice in the world to, to pray a lament, to remember God most just and to, to align yourself with the justice and righteousness of God. Whenever someone wrongs you, slights you, embarrasses you, to turn back to God most merciful and remember that you are safe in him, that you can even forgive without hesitation. When you don't know what to do, to turn back to the God of all wisdom. When you feel stressed, nervous, anxious at work, to breathe and to know that God is good, that he's faithful, that you can rest in him even in that moment. So this summer, I want to encourage you. I think my biggest encouragement would be to just to press in this summer, to be as, as consistent and active as you can be. Be as consistent in, in church attendance, in community group attendance, in, in getting before the Lord in, in the scriptures and in prayer. Those simple repetitions of, of putting yourself in the presence of God and all of his attributes so that he might speak to you, that he might reveal himself to you. And at the same time, to enjoy all of the good summer things. To make the connections between God's love for you and all the blessings that we get over the summer. And so as you're with your friends, as you're with your family, as you travel, to, to recognize these gifts and blessings from the Lord. Recognize that he's not just giving you something in the world, but he's giving you something of himself. He's sharing his very own eternal joy with you. He's inviting you into that joy in greater measure. One of our 10 commitments as a church is to honor God by enjoying our lives. It's a great and it's a difficult spiritual discipline to honor God by enjoying our lives. As we prepare for communion, the, the feast of our Lord, the thing I want you to know and to remember is that enjoying God, it, it can only come through God's provision for us. It can only come when we've been made right with him. And this has happened not by anything that we've done, but it's the gift of the Lord. And I love how Hebrews 12 says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. Do you imagine that? Jesus going to the cross, the place of ultimate pain and abandonment and rejection. And it says he did it out of joy. For the joy set before him, the joy of sharing his joy with you, with me, with all of us sharing the love, sharing his presence, sharing his nature with all of us. He went to the cross for the sake of joy. And on that last night, the last supper, when Jesus was with his disciples, in John 15, it sa he says, the purpose of his coming was that, your, that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. And his very last prayer in that, that same evening, John 17 he prays this over all of us, that you may have the full measure of joy within you. Joy is only existing in, in fullness in Christ, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For the joy set before him, Jesus 
went to the cross. And so we remember this, that Jesus' body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. And in a moment, if you're trusting in Christ for your life, for your salvation, for your joy, we invite you to come forward and break off a piece of the bread. You can dip it in the wine or the juice. The wine is marked by twine. And then you can return to your seats and take it either in line or as you return. Let's pray.